What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Today, I want to cover all the nitty-gritty, the, the nasty stuff, the learning curves, and the tips that I have for you guys today. Um, stuff that I've experienced on this last project, I mean, this current project that we're still in, and uh, it's nothing horrible. There, you know, we're definitely blessed in many ways, but, um, but you know, there's no expert level around my name when it comes down to, uh, you know, managing contractors, subs, and uh, and at the end of the day, just the whole process of um, going from beginning to end of any type of project. There's always learning curves. There's always something new that we're going into because not every project's going to be exactly the same. So I, I'm just going to be very blunt with you, very transparent, and uh, hopefully be able to deliver some good value for you guys if you are, you know, getting into your next flip or rental or regardless, any type of remodel that you're jumping into currently uh, or in the near future and, uh, and hopefully save you a bunch of time. And even in this episode, I'm going to be showing and expressing how I even break my own damn rules, you know, practice what you preach. I've even broken some of these rules and it wasn't a huge smack to the face. It was a very light one. However, you really want to like write down on a piece of paper exactly what your your non-negotiables are, right? And uh, and that will save you a lot of time. But uh, without further ado, let's just dive into it. So tips and learning lessons uh, along the way. That's what we're going to call this one. Um, so first off, we're going to talk about general contractor, so GC versus subcontractors. So uh, if you're not familiar, a general contractor, a GC, they, you know, you're dealing one-on-one with them for the most part, and then they hire out all of the subs or they hire, um, they have a team of people that work for them and uh, they pay whatever, you know, the value is of those traits. However, they add an extra little tax onto it. Uh, they manage the project, they middleman it, they make sure that from beginning to end gets done and you don't need to worry about dealing with all of these subcontractors. You're really just directly dealing with the one point of contact, your GC. Um, let's talk about the pros and cons about them versus a, uh, you know, subs, subcontractors. Subcontractors, if you don't know, that's basically you're hiring out just that one particular subcontractor that does just that one particular uh, trade. Um, so they could be a plumber or electrician or a floor guy, a painter, uh, a mud guy, a drywall guy. Um, you know, the, the list goes on, concrete, framing, you know. So all of these things, uh, they're not, you know, the, that famous saying, uh, a jack of all trades. You don't necessarily want that handyman guy that does a little bit of everything. Although it may be nice and that they have some experience in all levels, it's best to really find one particular trade, one, one particular sub that does, you know, excellent at that one particular thing. They're usually faster, more uh, particular about what needs to be done, what what they can cut corners on and so forth. And, uh, and you can get the best of the best quality of the work done. Um, and hopefully save yourself a penny or two if 
if uh, you can negotiate, you know, that fast, quick uh, results with quality. Um, so like we just spoke about, you know, realistically, what's awesome about subs is that it's cheaper. Um, however, there is more time involved. So on this particular project, it's the project is a duplex. It's uh, we're adding some extra bedrooms, some extra bathrooms uh, within the current square footage, which is awesome. Just maximizing what is already there in the floor plan. And then we're adding two ADUs in the back. So excessive dwelling units in the back that will be, you know, ground up construction of uh, three bedroom, one baths, both, both of them in the back. So it's going to go from a two unit complex to a four unit complex on the same parcel, um, which is awesome. And another learning curve is, you know, and we knew about this before purchasing by doing our due diligence, but during COVID, you know, permits usually take a long time to start off with, you know, prior to COVID here in San Diego. But uh, during COVID, man, it is, it's a, a little bit of a process with the time frame, And we're still very fresh into, you know, we just purchased and closed technically on the, on the property, I believe December 3rd. So uh, we're still rocking and rolling. It's just been a month and a half into it. And uh, we're almost done on the duplex, which is great. But, you know, getting the permits for all the other stuff involved, as well as the uh, two ADUs in the back, it takes some time. So um, a lot of fun there. However, you know, when it comes down to hiring a general contractor versus a, you know, getting all types of subs and managing that being the project manager of the, the project itself, you know, on our last project and many projects before this, I've always got a general contractor and I still need to manage and oversee the general contractor to make sure that they're doing everything properly. I'm meeting with one contact and make sure that they get everything done on the project, right? And that's frustrating enough, <laughs> uh, just being truthful, you know, and, and making sure that there's transparency, communication, that uh, money's getting paid when it needs to, you know, and, uh, materials they have, you know, when it's needed, and that, you know, I'm not getting beat up on the price, but the quality is getting done and so forth, to be able to get the job done from, you know, beginning to end. However, this new project, it's literally five minutes away from where I actually live, which is awesome. It's over in Old Town. I'm in Linda Vista, right around the corner. So I figured, you know what, the last, last project we had, the fourplex over in North Park, we had uh, some transparency issues towards the end. Uh, the project came out great. However, our normal general contractor started having some family issues that he was bringing to the project and it just started getting started getting a little out of control and uh, we weren't happy as much as we'd like to be at the end of the day. We felt like we paid more than we should have. Uh, it took longer. There was some, you know, problems along the way. Uh, communication was starting to fall apart and that was very frustrating. So instead on this new project, we were like, you know what, we have some of the crew and, and even if we don't, we're not going to go back to that. We're going to go and, and uh, try to start over here. And maybe because we're on a tight budget and a lot needs to be done, why don't we save a couple bucks by subbing it out uh, with a, a bunch of subs? Now, I wouldn't recommend this to somebody just getting started because you really need to know beginning to end what this looks like, you know, the whole process. 
you don't want to start with painting if you didn't demo, right? Or, uh, or jump into, um, you know, electrical or plumbing first, right? So let's talk about that just for a quick second. Um, and just to, just to wrap up, you know, the general contractor versus subs, at the end of the day, subs, it's going to be cheaper, but it is going to be more time involved. It's going to be, um, you know, it, you could have a bunch of different subs that don't actually have, they're, they're not used to working together. So therefore they can get frustrated at each other. Um, when it comes down to general contractors, you might already have, they might already have a team together. They might love following, you know, uh, the, the drywall or the mud guy might love following the, the guy that puts up the drywall because he does it very seamlessly and the drywall guy doesn't need to put uh, that much time and effort into doing the mud. So it can go by quicker, you know, so that's, that can be very helpful. It is more expensive, however, uh, less time involved though, and time is your biggest asset. Like, let's not forget that. And I'm very frustrated that I personally didn't get a general contractor or at the very least a project manager because it is taking a bunch of my time. I'm going to the property about two, three times a day and that can be very time consuming, very frustrating. And, uh, and also we've had some other learning curves, but, uh, but nevertheless, you know, let's break down, let's go into this next phase here and break down exactly from beginning to end what it looks like uh, to break down in order which trade to pick, you know, first. Cause we've actually had a, this question come up a lot privately reaching out to me, you know, how do I know uh, which trade to use first? So it's very simple once you do it a few times, you know, like once you actually deal with contractors and realize the the step-by-step -step process, then you'll start understanding this, but uh, ask a lot of questions first and foremost. Second, you know, walk these properties with contractors and ask them what they would do first. And after you do it enough times with certain people or just go through the projects enough times, then you're going to learn this as well. But, um, but, and you really need to know this before you actually go into, you know, subbing out a whole project on your own, doing the own property management, acting as if you're your own general contractor, right? Um, so first and foremost, we're going to demo. You got to demo first. And when I say demo, I mean like demo everything. I I'm, I'm at fault on not being crystal clear with my demo crew originally on certain things that needed to be demoed. Like we were just demoing this past week, a month and a half in on some small things here and there that didn't need, like this should have already been done day one. That's what's very frustrating about this because I've already paid the demo guys and they're, you know, they picked up and, the, and they're gone. They were great, but they knocked out about 97, 98% of it. And there's still a couple things left that needed to be done. And if we would have known or just been on top of it, very crystal clear of exactly what beginning to end looks like for the whole project, then all of this stuff would have been very clear. We could have went in with uh, spray paint, sprayed a couple things, and uh, and you know everybody would have known very clearly what needed to be taken out. Um, so that's enough of my rant on that. But uh, so from beginning to end, demo everything. 
And then after everything is demoed, everything, you know, get it off of the site first off. Like you don't want to have trash everywhere. Make sure it's a clean, uh, just a clean environment. Otherwise you're going to get some contractors that are going to be pissed off. Uh, some, some subs, some workers that are going to be pissed off. And then it just makes an unfriendly uh, type of environment, very trashy. It's unorganized. You don't know where certain things are. You could be wasting money. You could be losing money. You could be uh, sweeping up eventually or, or throwing um, good quality stuff that shouldn't be in trash, in trash. And also if a bunch of the other guys there see how everybody else is treating the place and it is dumpy, it, it is trashy, then what do you think they're going to do? You know, like when you go into a public bathroom, if it's all disgusting and nasty, you're not going to treat it very well either. So just be mindful of that. When you go into a rest restroom that is very clean, very nice, maybe it's yours, then you take ownership, pride in it, and you're going to take care of it and clean it up, right? Um, I know that's a, a disgusting example, but it is what it is. Uh, so so demo first, get everything, make sure everything's cleaned, uh, get it off the site, take it to the dump. Um, next is electrical and plumbing. So electrical and plumbing is, is very important. I, I would say probably plumbing first, then electrical. And uh, plumbing goes into obviously all rough. It, this is all rough plumbing. And there's two stages. There's uh, rough and then there's finish. Finish is going to be you know, the finishing fixtures, uh, outlets, plugs, you don't want to do that before painting, right? So, um, so the first phase is always going to be rough and you do plumbing first. Uh, there's going to be gas and there's going to be electric that, that might be needed. So uh, plumbing and, and water, uh, sewage, all this stuff needs to, you know, be checked, make sure that it's in good shape. If not, replace it, dig it up crawl underneath the house, like all this stuff. Uh, I like to clean out everything underneath the house as well. Some, some properties you get, they've been storing a bunch of crap underneath there for a long time. And I like to just make sure that all the chaos, all the, all the mess, all the hidden stuff behind the sheets are like all taken out and exposed and just get it off the property. Right. Um, so demo clean up after yourself and then uh, plumbing electrical uh, I like to rewire all new wires throughout the whole house. Um, that can end up causing a bunch of holes in the drywall. So then you got to be mindful of as we're going through the, through the drywall. Also, keep in mind, if you're doing any type of framing, then you want to make sure that the framing is done during or before you start going through electrical stuff. Like if you're adding extra bedrooms or rooms, um, you know, keep in mind, this is a whole different beast then. This isn't a basic remodel. This is, you know, ground up construction. So that's what we had to do a portion of ground up construction on this duplex because there was a back room, almost like a crawl space, space except there was plenty livable area. It's just, there was a ton of dirt in there. So we dug up all the dirt. We realized that the footing, which is around the outside, it's the foundation, it stopped. So we had, as we're digging out, so it didn't crack and like the house fall down, we had to uh, do what is called pins, create pins, which is three feet wide, about four to five feet deep underneath where the footing end, like where it stopped. 
the foundation, and then we would dig about 18 inches underneath the foundation, start putting rebar and then concrete. We did six pins in total and we had to do four uh, and make them solidified solid before we could dig out the, the remaining to make sure that everything was solid and set up. After the other two were done, making it all six in total, then uh, started doing uh, the whole footing, all new footing all the way around. And then after that, then we were able to do the slab. But before we did the slab, we realized we had to do the plumbing because we're putting an extra bathroom there. So we put the plumbing, then the slab, and then uh, now we can get to drywall, you know? So that was rough plumbing. Now we can get to drywall. I'm sorry, not drywall, uh, framing, framing all the wood. Uh, but before we do that, before we actually start doing the framing, we have to make sure that it's waterproof down there. So they're actually gonna do what's called almost like a tar base. Uh, so five gallon you know, buckets and of, uh, of something similar to a tar that they're going to paint onto all of the, the footing, the concrete around it. And then therefore we can start doing the, the framing of all of the two new bedrooms and a master bathroom. And then we can get the electrical and, uh, and plumbing uh, extended, you know, rough wise. Um, after that, they're gonna put up drywall. Uh, once we get the drywall in, you know, we can either in some areas um, and in some places out here, uh, they don't. Other times we do, it depends on the weather uh, and how soundproof you want it, but um, as you're putting in the drywall, you know, you want to do insulation potentially. So that will keep everything, you know, heated longer or cooled longer. Um, and then soundproof as well, which is very, very nice, especially if you have multiple units, you know, that, that can be very, very helpful. Um, but then after drywall's up, then you get a different crew, which is uh, basically like mutters or tapers, they call them. So they tape all the areas and then they, uh, with a certain type of tape, like a mesh tape, uh, and then they can put the mud on there, 20 minute mud, 40 minute mud, whatever, that basically acts like drywall, solidifies, it hardens up, uh, you know, covering all the screws, all the imperfections, all of the uh, cracks in between to make it look like it's a seamless wall. After that, they're going to sand down and then possibly put another coat and then after that, uh, same thing, and do a skim coat, like a, a skip trail, there's uh, orange peel, there's a bunch of different type of finished textures that you wanna consider how you want you know, your, your end product to look. After that's done, you gotta let it dry. Uh, on, on drywall, it dries very quick. We realized on plaster, which is the old, very thick um, type of material that, uh, that it takes a while to dry. It takes actually a significant amount longer to dry. So just being mindful of all this stuff because you wanna make sure that it's fully dried before you actually get to painting. Next is painting. Um, and then, you know, once everything's painted, then we can jump into flooring. Flooring, uh, you know, many different ways to go about it, but, you know, we're, we're going with, uh, something similar to a cork, except it's an eco-friendly, so we don't actually need to glue it down. It's gonna be similar to a regular uh, under laminate. 
And then we will put, uh, and you always want to get about 10% extra of whatever the actual square footage is for any cuts, corners, etc. cetera. Uh, at that point, after we put our um, LVP, uh, laminate um, vinyl planks on there, then, uh, you know, it's going to look very nice. Obviously the paint and everything else is all good. It's really starting to come together. But uh, then we'll put the crown molding and the baseboards all, all on, um, you know, touch up paint everywhere that's needed. And then we get into the kitchen. So the kitchen will be in place, countertops, you know, bathrooms you can jump into right after the uh, electrical and plumbing is done and, and painting. Otherwise, you can just jump into it and then do painting next you know, because they're small rooms. So uh, because flooring and, and tile in, in general in the bathroom is normally what you're doing, you're using uh, tile for the most part. So there's many ways to go about this, but these are the different uh, techniques that I like to use and in that order. And then lastly, you go for the finishing, you know, touches, finishing products. Also windows, you know, you can do windows and doors. Um, windows really anytime. However, doors, uh, you really wanna make sure doors are done after the, the drywall guys, after the tapers are done, all the mud, because mud, it will get solid, it will get hard and it, it can get flung around everywhere. So you wanna make sure all the mud is done and uh, right before painting or after painting, put up doors and then you know have it uh, painted afterwards. Um, so, yeah, those, those are the step-by-step -step of, of what I recommend uh, outside, you know, if you're closing off any windows or making a bunch of holes in, in certain areas on the outside, then figure out what kind of, you know, siding you have. A lot in San Diego is stucco, um, but if you have anything else, then just be mindful of that. If you want to change, you know, the roof, then you can do that anytime, really, um, you know, so there, there's a bunch of different ways, different strategies, but that's a rough idea of what you should keep in mind when you are walking into a project and just be very clear, like think about this stuff, write it down from beginning to end, what that looks like, what is needed. And then also for the best of the best communication and transparency, ask for those warm recommendations, like good recommendations, but also figure out who likes to follow each other. You know, because if if uh, the mud guy has to go right after a really bad drywall setter and they're doing a bunch of small patches in one little corner instead of doing one whole new sheet of drywall, then and they just put it with a bunch of gaps and everything else, then it could be very frustrating for the guy following him. Right. So just make sure that everybody's in the same and that they link up and that you get really good quality for each one and that uh, you get recommendations from these people, right? Uh, so that's just a quick little breakdown of uh, what to anticipate. And then uh, let's dive into this next section of another tip and uh, learning lesson that I personally, you know, I'm very disappointed in myself for, for uh, falling into this trap, but check this out, ready? I'm a firm believer of using your credit card for everything, right? Use your credit card, rack up those points, get that security. Am I right? Like I always mention this and I'm very notorious for using, you know, contractors, general contracts, subs 
that accept credit cards. It's very, you know, it's, it's awesome. And nine times out of 10, it's worth paying just a little bit extra in the fees if needed. However, you can also negotiate the fees. You can pay through PayPal uh, using your credit card, but still get the protection. You know, there's many different ways to be able to set this up. Now, um, I'm, I'm kicking myself in the butt right now because I ended up hiring on some taper guys right after the drywall uh, that, that it, you know, we negotiated a certain price and, um, and they do mud, they do tapering and everything. And we negotiated a good price. However, you know, on the very first day, they started complaining about it saying that they underbid it and that we were screwing them over and that, you know, it was really frustrating and everything. And, and they're the ones that gave me the damn quote, you know, it's very, they're the ones that said these numbers. So I just accepted what they gave me. Um, he checked out the property, you know, it's like one of his buddies though, that came in that wasn't there at the time was giving them a lot of crap during, you know, as they're working. Anywho, so all three of them, end up uh, just complaining a bunch and they're like, you know what, we want to get paid out on, on a daily basis, you know, like, and they're really, they were being uh, just a pain about it, you know, thinking that like made it seem like they were scared that we weren't going to pay them and, uh, and that they were going to do the job. But regardless, so they asked for a certain amount and they wanted it in cash. And I always, I don't like doing cash, but they called me off guard. Uh, I was trying to, you know, just moving around on all these different things. And I just, you know, I got frustrated. I was like, fine, I'll give you the cash, you know, and I'll pay you out daily so you guys can shut up, you know. And and it came down to the job was bidded at like $1,600. They needed about three to four days worth of work. And on the very first day, they did do a good amount of work, but not like, not, uh, there's still a good amount left, right? They only did one day and they asked for $160 per person. Uh, so, you know, it just added up to uh, $480. And, and then on the next day, they ended up giving me a bunch of excuses why they couldn't come in. Um, you know, stuff that very frustrated me and gave me just a bunch of runaround excuses and all this nonsense. So, um, so the learning lesson here is I didn't have a contract. And second, I didn't pay with credit card because if they broke their agreement, then I wouldn't have given them 480 when at the end of the day, I only owed another a little over a thousand because they were getting materials that I paid for as well that they said they would cover and take it out of you know the total cost. So very frustrating, let's just say that. And, um, and I owed just about a thousand left uh, but it still needed about three or four days, you know, and, and that was the, that was the tough part because now I had to get back out there and find more people. So I should have paid at the max, maybe $300, um, for they worked about six hours and, and, uh, regardless, they broke their word. So that was very frustrating. Um, but, but don't, don't break your word to yourself, you know, like that was my learning curve. And I, I have to take responsibility for that, that, and I'm blessed and thankful that I didn't actually get screwed over. Like they didn't walk away with a ton of my money. 
you know, I did pay a little bit extra what I should have potentially. And it's frustrating when somebody gives me their word and then, you know, breaks it and wastes my time. So now I need to get out there and find more people. But nevertheless, you know, um, there was still a good amount of work that was done that one day. And I paid for one day for three guys a little bit more than I should have. But it's not like, you know, there's still progress during that day. Right. So long story short, use credit cards so you can have the protection, you can dispute it. And then secondly, use contracts. No matter how much time it is, whatever it is, just a simple contract would be very beneficial. And just to add on top of that, if you utilize somebody that is a very good, strong, warm recommendation, then typically you're not going to have huge problems. It's still great to have it in contract, but uh, you know, have certain things you want to consider with having in the contract is how people are going to get paid, when they're going to get paid, what kind of quality you expect, how you're going to determine whether the job is done or not, like what type of inspections you're going to give, uh, who's covering materials, who's, um, you know, when does it start the job and when is it anticipated and expected to stop? If it takes longer than that, is there going to be any type of consequences? Is there going to be any bonuses if finished earlier? You know, um, all these different things can be very, very crucial. Really have a detailed scope of work of what it looks like from, you know, the beginning of their start date to the end start date. In what order? How are they going to accomplish the task needed and, and the materials that are going to be used so that there aren't any shortcuts? You know, um, you want to be clear on all this stuff in the contract if you're going to use one. And like I said, use one so uh, you don't end up you know, getting screwed over or hurting yourself. Obviously, a contract can only go so far. You know, a, a man shake, a woman shake, uh, and and just respect for yourself as well as not paying upfront for things will save you a ton of headache, a ton of time. And using warm referrals will help save a lot of that as well. But um, but yeah, if you know, like I said, a contract can only go so far. So if they don't do the work, it's not like a legal, amazing contract and, and uh, like dr drafted up by a lawyer. And even if it was, what are you going to do? You're going to waste all the time, the energy to go sue somebody. If it's a good amount of money, then yes, you 100% should. But uh, if it's something smaller and never pay up front, I never, ever give anybody um, any type of big amounts or anything upfront, unless they want it on a credit card, because I can always get it back. Um, but I still rarely ever do that just because it's not needed. And uh, I'll pay for materials upfront. And then, you know, uh, I'll pay them the labor cost afterwards. I, I personally like to go that route. But you got to keep an eye on all the material lists then too on the receipts to make sure that they're not getting extra or they're not wasting things or they're not taking extra things to the side and then returning them for a gift card or cash later on because all these things can happen, right? And, uh, and when they're not paying for it, then people care less. So you just want to be mindful of all these things. So uh, these are my tips and tricks for all the lessons learning, uh, all the, you know, learning curves that I'm having on this particular project. There's been a good amount. We're still getting amazing progress. 
something that, you know, a lot of other people that I've heard in the past giving way too much money up front. There's no need to ever give any type of money up front. If anybody ever asks you for money up front, just start running, just, you know, laugh at them because that's a lot of that is going to be more of a, a joke unless it is a general contractor and they start trying to get ahead of the game. Um, I, I personally just don't like going at it that way. And, uh, and there's a lot of issues that can come about from that. So uh, I've made those mistakes in the past and that's why, you know, I, I've learned my lesson. And even though I've made similar mistakes on this particular project of paying cash when I should have paid credit card, it was, they caught me off surprise. Uh, you know, looking back now, I realized they were just playing me on a certain game. There was still progress made that day. It was very frustrating, but it is small amounts of money and there is still progress made, right? They're still working. So that's why it kind of caught me off guard. But uh, nevertheless, use your credit cards, have contracts, uh, understand from beginning to end what the deal looks like, what the project looks like, and how to be able to really accomplish it uh, in order so that there's no time wasted. There's, you know, the, the trades are uh, following each other in a good manner and, and ready and prepared. Uh, for the next task. Okay, guys. So hope you guys all took notes on this and got value from it. If you have any questions at all, put in the comments below, reach out to me privately. You can do so at Instagram, Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com uh, forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. You can always find me also at uh, creditcounselelite.com. That's our online educational platform for anything related to credit. Uh, if you want to learn how to fix your own credit, get educated on how the, the creditors, banks, lenders are judging you, how to play the game, how to manipulate the game and, and have it on your side, uh, real life monopoly, how to be able to build up your credit, be able to get your, your FICO up to 800 FICO score in less than 30 days, how to be able to build up business credit, get up to several six figures, up to seven figures, in fact, um, within a year or so. And also just being able to leverage it properly, how to be able to make money from your credit. You know, that's, that's what we love to teach. That's what we love to show. And uh, we can show you how to fix your own credit as well, or do it for you with our company, creditrepairmobile.com. So reach out to us if you have any questions whatsoever. We'd love to be that resource. We'd love to be that connection to be able to put the missing pieces together for you, help you out, be able to take that financial literacy, that financial future to the next level for you and your family. The feeling that you'll have afterwards is literally tremendous. It's night and day. We've done it for hundreds upon hundreds of students, and uh, we're looking to improve you know, the next student, which could be you. So reach out, apply if, if you're interested and uh, have that connection with one of our one of our groups. All right, guys, uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification for uh, the new podcast every single Monday. And then leave a review. Let us know what you guys think about it. If, uh, if you have any feedback for me, you know, like I said, reach out. I'd love to connect with each and every one of you guys. But till next time, we will see you on the very next episode. God bless.